know something. Why me? But you're the one who told me she was dead. Is it all an act? What about Zandra? Is this whole thing a setup? Look, I don't get this any more than you do. But I know one thing. I laid Zandra to rest myself. And no one, but no one, will touch one stone on this grave while I'm still alive. You understand? Welcome to Series 3, Episode 5 of Conversation with Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Colin. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 3, Episode 5, the screenplay was done by David Fox. It was directed by John Reed. And the episodes of were read out by Sabine. May and Celine agree to attend a chosen ceremony, much to Ellie's disgust. Luke defies the Guardian to help Trudy, while Dal sets off on a journey to discover the truth. Okay, a juicy episode. <laughs> the episode opens on the tense confrontation between both Bray and Pride. While Star acts as a peacemaker and seems strangely hopeful that the Gaian leader is indeed Amber, Ebony however highlights the fact that Amber's name was written on the grave. After Pride refuses to hand over the ring, Bray sees the situation rather simply, either Pride or this eagle is a liar and a thief. So panel, a lot of emotions on display here. Um, Yeah, what do you make of this opening scene? Honestly, it makes sense for Bray to be upset by that. Because there he was, thinking he buried the love of his life with a ring he's been overly obsessing about for that moment, and seeing it around another guy's neck, you know, I I get why his emotions are the way they are. I kind of feel bad for the guy, actually. Stupid, but the characters are fine. Sorry, I've been fuming about this for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of energy I put into calming myself. (laughs) So yeah, the way the characters are acting, given the situation they're in, is fine. Storyline is garbage. Yeah, when I first watched this, I didn't, I didn't think they were going that route. I was like, yeah, Amber's dead, so whoever this eagle person is, is clearly a thief, so we should go confront them, because drama. Don't like the retcon of Amber's name being on the grave. It wasn't on the grave. I, thank you. You know what? I was wrecking my brain mm-hmm. trying to say, there was, was there a name written on that originally? No, it wasn't, was there? And then all of a sudden there is one popped up. That wasn't there originally, was it? I, if I was... Bray had buried her, if he'd been the one to do it, then I'd buy it. Mm. But it was never made clear to us who put Amber's grave there. We know Bray didn't because nope. he was conveniently asleep. So I just think it's weird that her name would be there, but Zondra's wouldn't, you know? If Bray had been the one to do it, then I could be like, okay, you know, of course he put Amber's name. Yeah, but, you know, it, it would have made sense if Dal had done that. You know, and as for it not being on Xandra's grave, well, we all know, like, the spelling skills. But, yeah, it's just the fact that we know that it didn't happen is what bothers me most about that. I think it's just crazy how, like, no one knows who buried who. <laughs> it's a little weird. It's yeah. just a little weird. A little weird? It's garbage. <laughs> it doesn't make an ounce of sense that you have this whole group of people who just accepted their friend was dead, but not a single one recalls putting her in the ground, finding her body, having anything to do with her grave. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know what's more disrespectful to just talk this way and then kind of bring up facts that were never there to begin with over a beloved character that we've all thought passed away or or just the mishandling <laughs> of two beloved characters and just 
killing them off for no apparent reason. Um, well, off off the show, obviously there was a reason, but during the show, like while it aired, there was just no reason for us fans. So if this is the best they can do, they should have they should have kept in the you know kept drawing it out. They just didn't find her body. It's just that simple. They didn't find her body. Nobody buried her because they never found her in the rubble. It happens all the time. Bodies are not always recovered. People still have funerals as a sign of respect in a way to get closure. You know, mm. it gives you an out. If you're going to bring her back to life again, I don't blame the showrunners for killing them off. The girls left. They had yeah. to do something. They had to scramble and they even le- left it open ended. You know, we see the kids around the graves so there's a ton of information that they could have filled in if they put any actual effort in. If you just had, I mean, the the explosion happened right after sunset. And by the time mm-hmm. the kids are on the grave, it's morning. So that means they've had all night to search and to deal with the fire. Mm-hmm. We know they had time to search because Bray is actually inside the observatory by morning. Okay. Yeah. So all you have to do if you want to retcon this is played out as though they never found her and the group collectively without Bray decided she must be gone. I think that's a reasonable conclusion for them to come to after searching Mm -hmm. for hours and heavy in their grief that she didn't survive the explosion. You know, I can only imagine what state Zandra was in when Lex found her, you know, and, and just be like, yeah, she didn't make it because we have not found her. And what is the most respectful thing you can do for a lost friend? You still give her a grave, mm-hmm. you know, like just hint at that so that when it comes out that there was no body, that's what Bray has to find out, you know, that, that his friends never formed him of that, that they just never found her. And then it makes sense for Dal to be like, I never believed she was dead because why would you if you never found her? The problem with that, Liz, is that it makes too much sense. And <laughs> obviously, we have to paint Ebony as the supreme evil that she is. In the first I, have, I have a fix for that, too. I do. <laughs> if you really want, do you want to hear it now or do you want to wait till the episode where it's relevant? Yep. No, I want to hear it now. Okay. Clearly, they want Amber to be blameless, which I get. It's not beth's fault she had to leave the show and they killed her off so they don't want her to be to blame and they want to add some drama by putting ebony in the villain role okay fine you know the flashback where she drags amber out of the building which makes no freaking sense at all mm-hmm. how should her <laughs> just have them see each other amber's trapped under the debris okay she's in ebony's trying to get out of the building they see each other amber calls for help you know what i mean like please she's desperate in this moment you have a second where Ebony actually looks at her and considers it, but then just chooses to walk away. That makes way more sense for Ebony's character as someone who'd be like, not my problem. And then she has her plausible Mm -hmm. deniability, which is so in Ebony's wheelhouse, but she still gets to be a bad guy because she literally left Amber to die because I don't understand the point of dragging Amber out of the building and then pulling the whole, Oh, I'll just, you know, they'll just think you're dead and blah, blah, blah. I'll just, not save her life just leave her there and then she still gets to be all suspicious when she hears all this talk about someone who reminds her of amber because she knows for a fact she left amber in that building and she never got any mm-hmm. confirmation that amber died either and then you don't have to figure out when did ebony have time to dig this grave without anybody ever seeing her and everybody believing her like you want us to believe that the mall rats took ebony's word or what did the grave just appear 
and nobody Overnight. had any questions. Yeah, that's what she did. Yeah. So <laughs> During the night, the, she, she either the grave just appeared out of nowhere, which was right <laughs> next to where Lex is burying Zandra, and he clearly didn't see it. And the kids mm-hmm. were just like, oh, I, I guess that must be Amber's grave. Did you bury her? No, they didn't ask any questions. <laughs> or Ebony had to tell them, I found her and I buried her. I thought it would be easier for you guys. And they believed that. Like, come on. Just have her leave Amber in the building. Amber can still be mad at yeah. her for that. <clears throat> um, I like that theory more because it can still set up for Ebony and Bray to be together. So he won't hate her mm-hmm. in season three. No, I mean, I'm with you guys. It is it's a pretty silly how they've written this. But <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't you know, make much sense. Yeah, Ebony would have just never saved her in the first place. The only reasons he could have saved Amber was just that tiny bit of respect he had for the other strong female or, you know, wanting to look good in Bray's eyes for saving her. And she'd but, obviously take credit for it. Yeah. I saved your meal, your your, your piece, you know? But yep. don't save her and then pull this crap on the mountainside. Yeah. Yes. And then you still get to look at Ebony like, man, that was a cold-hearted thing to do. But it's still something Ebony would do. Yeah. Because why would she want Amber around if, one, she wants Bray, and two, she wants to be in charge of the antidote? Just see her in trouble, know you could save her, and choose not to. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. Amber can still be pissed when she sees her and sees her and Bray together. You know, like, I cannot believe you people are teaming up with a woman who left me to die, you know, and just you can still have her be the villain, but in a way that makes sense for Ebony and doesn't make her look like an idiot or anybody else. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm starting to shake. I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there isn't much defense for this. It's, it, there's it's literally, not, literally so many ways it could have been written better. Yeah, they're lazy. I, I, I just keep thinking, why on earth would Del even... If he's in shock and was afraid to see the body, come on. Why on earth would Dell not have checked? He was the medical person of this group. Way more sense. If someone told them, told Dell, we found Amber's body and she's dead, I see Dell needing to confirm it physically for himself. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. he would be in denial. This is my friend. I do not want to believe she's dead. I need to see it for myself. I have to check yeah. her pulse. I don't trust you people with this decision. But to be like, I was too scared to look. Get out of here. Dell, you're better than that. That, that's one yeah. part I will say I believe because the, after the shock yeah, of the explosion, just, yeah, not needing to see the body, I can that I can kind of believe. Not that obviously Ebony said, or no one seemed to check who put the body in there, but exactly not wanting if, to see the body. If, yeah, if anyone else but Ebony had said that, mm. it would have made more sense for them to just accept it. I mean, had it been Ryan who said no, she's dead, Celine who said I'm sure she's dead, her head was on that side and her body was on the other side of the building, sure. Uh, you know it's it's <laughs> this conversation shouldn't have dal saying i was too afraid to look this conversation should be dal saying why he why he's never believed that amber was dead is because he never got to see it he was afraid to look and that's why he's never wanted to believe it yes and that mm-hmm. when that's when you can find out that they never found the body this could be Bray discovering that his friends have withheld this precious information from him the whole time. He can still be mad at Lex because Lex is the one who told him that Amber was dead, but never informed him. But we never found her body. We've just come to that conclusion. And Lex can obviously mm-hmm. defend himself by like, dude, I didn't want to make it worse. Like I was mm-hmm. telling you out of mercy because I knew how you felt. I didn't think, believe, you know, telling you that we didn't find her would make things any better. You can even hint that it was Ebony's idea to push it. 
you know, push mm-hmm. for them, yeah. you know, burying, mm-hmm. the, you know, having a grave as a way of respect in closure because she was saying a lot of BS that morning, you know, yeah. and you yeah. can still have all of it. <laughs> It, it it would have made so much sense for t- for her to do that because he could have gone. Oh, Bray will never have closure if he thinks he's still out there. He'll never keep ser- stop searching until he finds her yeah, in that building would, somewhere. It would be torture, and it's dangerous. Guys. We'll never get him off this mountain, and we have to think beyond this. Blah blah blah. You can have Ebony saying yeah. all that, and the others yeah. are just so shell shocked. You can understand why they would go along with that, you know. Yeah, and then. It, you can still have Bray being so whirlwind with this new information and feeling betrayed and angry. And he should be the one who goes to check on Eagle Mountain. Sorry, Dal, I don't want to take your mm-hmm. moment away, but it should be Bray. Because he needs to confirm for himself. Because he just found out that Amber's body is apparently not in the ground like he was told it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Deep breathless. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to cope for the next episode. <laughs> Natural herbs. Vodka. Something, <laughs> Something Tyson made. Okay, we'll come back to this in a little bit. But back at the mall, um, Trudy demands to see Brady, but Luke tells her the Guardian has forbidden it. I want Brady. She needs her mother. Bring her to me. My instructions are... I am the Supreme Mother, and I demand to see my child right now! The Guardian forbids it. Realizing that the Guardian is bringing her food, but not allowing her to eat it as a test, he later brings Brady for a brief visit and offers her some food that the Guardian won't know about, but she refuses it, telling him that the Guardian will know. Yeah, I thought there was quite a lot to unpack there. Um, How did you feel about Trudy's situation? Um, Luke's actions, which kind of almost hint at a division in the Chosen Loyalty with the Supreme Mother. Um, And Trudy's decision, obviously, not to take the food. I I think Trudy was smart not to take the food because even though she says it as Zoot will know, she knows very well that if there's even the tiniest chance that the Guardian would find out, he will use it against her, so she doesn't dare to. She's just too darn terrified. But, you know, Luke's actions at, you know, saying that some of us don't think it's okay that you're being kept from the divine child and all that. Yeah, it, it does show that there are people on Trudy's side. That there are people who think he is, you know, um, she is their, truly their supreme mother. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it's right that someone with that status should be treated that way as a prisoner in her own home, not allowed to see the child she brought into this world. You know, that's I'm I'm really happy to see Luke do this, you know, to bring her Brady for that, even if that's such a short moment. It says so much about his character and it gives her hope, you know, that the look on Trudy's face alone when she gets to hold her baby in her arms again, even for that tiny moment, the gratitude and the relief of holding her, even for a split second, it's, mm-hmm. it seems so genuine and so well done. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the chosen storyline is an exploration of the gradients of evil and um, they do a lot of work to show the the gray in people's character and that okay for example in season two there was discussion of how easily the city kids capitulated to the chosen and how that was upsetting for some people like i can't believe they just gave in but season three actually explores 
how the psychology works in groups like this. Mm-hmm. And so we get to see it with the mall rats as we watch them fracture in different ways um, under different stressors, how quick some are to bend and while others will hold out even when there's just, it's kind of pointless. And the Chosen, they do the same thing. Um, these scenes are really important because it, it does lead to the end of The Chosen where it's no longer an easy answer as to who gets punished and who doesn't. And um, because it's like, where do, where do you, it's a slippery slope. Where on the scale do you side a person is now irredeemable and must be punished? So by creating characters like Luke, who is capable of doing evil things, but is clearly not an evil person, where does he fall in your line of punishment? And you have, you know, and that just opens the door for all of the characters who are influenced or um, affected by the chosen in some way. How do you punish these people when you have to look at all of the circumstances and how they comported themselves while this was happening? And it opens up what the chosen are. It opens up the idea that Jaffa may not even be following his own rules of how he's established the way the chosen are supposed to behave, mm-hmm. how they're supposed to act. If his second in command isn't even aware of how badly Trudy is treated, that says a lot. And if his second in command is willing to defy his orders secretly, that to me tells me that Jaffa is going against his own rules. And here's Luke, who is completely devoted to the cause. He's able to justify for himself why it is okay to defy the Guardian, why it is okay to make sure that Trudy sees her child and that she is not starved. Because, I mean, why else would he defy the Guardian, you know, if he doesn't truly believe that it's the right thing to do? But this is the same man who can condemn someone to death because he also believes that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So it's just really, really cool to explore the vagaries of evil and, um, I give them props for doing it because they could have easily just been like, all the chosen are bad. It's that simple. And they don't. Yeah. It, this scene always makes me wonder, you know, because what we see from Luke now, it just makes me wonder how much Luke was around when Trudy was a captive or if he was just sent out into the world by the Guardian to basically um, get more followers convince people to join their fate you know if if i i just can't imagine luke having been around all the time while trudy was tortured and not knowing about it so to me it feels like he was always in the field getting all the puppets into place for jaffa got the sense that the chosen were discouraged from ever interacting with trudy because she doesn't mm-hmm. even know luke's name until yeah. this moment yeah you know, that was she, a surprise she yeah. addresses him before this but this is the first time she says what is your name And I get the sense that she has been isolated even when the Chosen were around her. They were discouraged from interacting with the Supreme Mother. Probably taught they weren't supposed to because she's too high above them. Mm -hmm. Another way for Jaffa to control her and keep her from making any allies within the Chosen. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think this episode is the first kind of clue that we saw that, you know, the flaws within the, the organization of the Chosen and how people can, uh, I guess, go against their so-called code and why ultimately it, it failed in the long run. And um, yeah, and I think they all should be on trial. <laughs> all of the chosen. Even the little children, right? Absolutely. <laughs> First one on the block is that little girl watching Bray. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get her. Absolutely. <laughs> 
She's like, I thought it was a fireworks show. I mean, like, just a what if. Like, what do you think would have happened if the Guardian had found out that Luke had given Brady to the Supreme Mother? He would have had a fit. I think what we see with Jaffa and how he is with the rest of the Chosen compared to how he is with Trudy, he's very careful with Luke. Luke is in a position where we see him in future calling the Guardian out and questioning him plenty. And the Guardian does not immediately go into, like when Trudy upsets him, he goes right into threatening and fear mongering Hmm. and punishing her because he's no worries about that. She's his prisoner. That's all she will ever be as far as Jaffa is concerned. But Luke, he's very careful with Luke. He does not want Luke questioning him, but he also does not want to discourage Luke or scare Luke. So when Luke comes to him and brings something up or questions him, the Guardian behaves very different. So I, mm-hmm. I think if he found out Luke did this, he would, he would be very delicate around the situation. He would not lash out because he would not want Luke telling anybody else about he, he he puts on a front around the rest of the chosen it's it really takes a long time before he gets fed up with luke and decides to get rid of him you know and before he yeah. really starts showing luke his true colors so i i think luke would have gotten away with it and um you know the, joffa might have even played a humble hmm you've made me see the light you know or whatever or, or, you know what i mean but i don't think he would have punished luke i i wonder if he would have just claimed that trudy had misinterpreted him <laughs> because i can totally see jaffa going for oh no she must have misunderstood that wor- wasn't what i told that wasn't what i said i said that was mine that was my intention oh. oh she should be just i just wanted her to be pure near the divine child so the child doesn't suffer under her mood because <laughs> we we will see that luke will confront him about Trudy's be, uh, treatment and Joffa will be like, hmm, perhaps I have been too rough on her, you know, and go play nice. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. I, I just don't think he would have lashed. I think Luke would have gotten away with it uh, because that's what abusers do. They show a completely different face to the rest of the world than they do to their abuse victims. Mm, you're right. Oh, that's, that's interesting. You guys think that because I, I, I kind of, I've really thought the opposite because I'm obviously the Guardian's like, mental health deteriorates rapidly over the course of the series but i think at this point in time i think i thought he would have flipped out you thought off with his head maybe not off with his head but like (laughs) yeah he would have he would have gotten really angry yeah i think it depends on the exact moment the guardian would have learned about this yeah depends if if they were if it was just him and luke though like just alone or maybe surrounded with other people because remember, Luke didn't do this alone. He doesn't punish Luke for failing him on the beach. I mean, Luke mm. was in charge of not only confirming that Bray and Lex were dead, but also bringing them back. And we've seen no repercussions come to Luke for that. Nope. Mm. You know, it would be super easy for him to punish Luke. You were in charge, you know, if you want to flex his muscles. But he mm. deliberately went after someone under Luke. You know, I think he needs Luke. And Luke is not a threat to him right now. And Yeah, I, th- I think you might be onto something because it does feel like, you know, Luke was more of the, the guy to deal with the followers, you know, the one-on-one work, the teaching them Zoot's beliefs and all of that. Well, Jaffa just wanted the numbers and the adoration. So, yeah, I can see, I can see him needing him. As for Trudy not taking the food, that just, that meant, that made perfect sense to me. When you are being abused 
and um, they've put the hammer down, you do not want to test them any further. You don't want to do anything else that's going to upset them. You don't want to even take the chance. And we see that a lot with people mm -hmm. in abusive situations, not taking the chances to get away in, from their abuser, you know, kidnap victims, all of that. And you're like, why didn't you ask for help? You had people around you. And it's, it's that mentality. They have frightened you. They've beaten you down so much. You're just like, no, there is no way out of this situation. Nobody can help me. That is what Trudy's learned being with the chosen. Yeah. She knows none of them can help her. She knows none of them are going to stop Jaffa from doing the things he does to her. She is not taking any chances to upset him any further. Yeah. And, and you're right. She's not ch taking chances that anyone will pick her side on that either. Because let's face it, nobody ever has. Yeah. You know, and Luke is being nice to her right now. But every moment of her life in The Chosen is a test. Mm -hmm. So even if he's like, here, take this food, you know, and he's being super nice. She can't trust that that still won't end up in the as information the Guardian finds out. She can't. Like what she says, when I feel like when she's saying Zoot will know, it's more like I always have eyes on me. Mm -hmm. That is what my life with you people has taught me. And whether it's Zoot or whether it's just the Guardian has spies or whatever, it won't it won't remain a secret. He's going to find out what I did, you know. And yeah, and she's learned to say that as Zoot simply because that's the answer that's expected of her it's like convincing someone that you abuse to believe it's their fault and you see that too people will be like you know someone you know they'll be mm -hmm. like i i made them angry it's on me i i should have known they were in no mood to have that conversation it's my fault you know that's what he's managed to get trudy mm -hmm. into that headspace my boyfriend we were listening to the last episode of the podcast and he was listening to the way Jaffa treats Trudy and taking Brady away. And he goes, he pauses, he goes, please tell me this guy dies. <laughs> and I was like, spoiler? No. He's like, what? You're telling me his head doesn't end up on a spike? This is disgusting behavior. He was so upset. I'm with him on that. <laughs> He's like, your show sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, just briefly, like, how did you feel um, with Trudy when the Guardian found out that the food went missing. Well, Luke was wrong. That's for sure. mm -hmm. Well, then again, Luke only took a tiny bit. The kids took like all the bread. So he was mm -hmm. definitely going to notice that. I did feel bad for her, but I also wasn't like mad at the kids. You know what I mean? It's just like con there's consequences to everything people do. I felt bad that she took the brunt of it, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I was glad Casey and Chloe got away with it. <laughs> yeah. While, while I did like that, the kids got away with it. I just... Uh, his response to Trudy just mm. sent chills through my spine. It's oh. when he's mad, he's mad. That was terrifying. The way Very. She, she was sleeping like that again. It's just a picture of a way an abuse victim lives their life. She was asleep. He, she wakes up and sees him. Notice her face light brightens. Mm -hmm. She's trying to greet him pleasantly. Like, oh, my guardian, hi, you know, maybe he's come to let me let me go. I've passed my test. And he's immediately screaming in her face and threatening mm -hmm. her life, you know. And it's just like the, she can do nothing but freeze and beg and cry. Like, I don't know what I did. I was literally asleep. What did I do, you know? And, uh, gee, oh, my gosh, it's a beautiful illustration of an abusive relationship. I'm kind of surprised the show gave it the attention that they, they do. Mm -hmm. I also kind of wonder 
if somebody felt it was necessary to punish Trudy this way, again, part of her redemption arc. So it would be easier for the audience to forgive her for her actions in season two, even though, again, I don't think she deserve, needs forgiveness, blah, blah, blah. But I understand that there would be viewers who do feel she needs to earn her forgiveness for betraying all her friends. And I think this may also be part of the writer's technique. See, we're punishing her for what she did so that you can forgive her and feel she paid enough and they can just they can accept her back into the fold. So I kind of wonder if that's also why Trudy's getting it so bad by the Chosen. Uh, that's true, yeah. Because not everybody was going to look at Trudy and feel she was a victim, you know, and, and that's fair. I'm not going to mm-hmm. argue about that. But some people are going to be like, no, nah, what she did was wrong. It wasn't cool what she did. I don't care what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And they would need some work, you know, the same way they they put Lex to the ringer so you could forgive the things he'd done. And root for him to have his happy ending. I feel like they're doing the same with Trudy. Like just, you know, priming the audience to be able to, okay, you've punished her enough. Even I'm not mad at her anymore. You know, <laughs> you know I'm just like. Yeah, it's not even justified, honestly. No, that's a fair assessment. <laughs> the easiest way to get an audience on board with a character who has been hated or done terrible things. We've seen them do it in lazy ways, but we've also seen them put the work into it. You just make that character very vulnerable. You make them go through a hard time and the audience, their sympathies change. It's like Cersei's walk of shame. Cersei was an evil person in Game of Thrones, but you give her a hard time. And there was a lot of audience who got on board with her despite mm. everything she'd done. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be on trial too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's a typical writing trick, you know, and, um, but they're actually putting the work in. They're not just giving Trudy a simple sob story. We are seeing constant abuse. And at that point, it's like, who can still hate her? Like, come on. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Poor girl. And he is such an amazing villain, though. Fantastic villain. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd still think he might be the best one we've ever had. Like, yeah. long, long-term villain, best one. Yeah, because there's not many villains that can creep me out as much as he does. Like, he's terrifying. Trudy crying and holding on to the mantra, power and chaos, power and chaos. Like, oh, what this man has done to this young woman. Mm-hmm. The cage of fear that she lives in is just horrible. And, and just shouting, only Zoot can forgive you now. Like, what did I even do this time? And what does that even mean? Only Zoot can forgive her. How's he gonna manage that? Like every time she thinks she passed a test or another hurdle at getting, you know, a version of life back, some freedom, at least being with her child, it just blows up in her face because Jaffa always finds something to explode about and just tell her she can't because she is his property, basically. That smile when he noticed the food was gone, he was happy to have another Mm -hmm. reason to have a go at her. Because he's a freaking sadist. Mm. Like, he, that yes, actually he pleased him that she'd failed her test because he could go and scream at her. Mm-hmm. He enjoys it. This is not about, this yeah. is not a banal evil. This isn't like, oh, it's just my job. You know, I'm just doing what's necessary. He likes it. He likes being able to do this to her. Like, you're a creep. Can't believe Zoot chose you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Tysan, you're the one that's saying we have to stick together. And so we should. That's what the Guardian wants, to divide us. Well, am I missing something here? There's more than one way to fight, Alice. We're listening. 
Well, the first thing we have to do is to control our anger. That's what the Guardian thrives on, our hatred of him. It's like his food. So we have to starve him, just like he's starving us. Following on from what we mentioned about Casey and Chloe being forced clean after trying to prank a chosen guard for food, Tysan stands up to him, telling him that he will pay if Chloe and Casey are harmed. This is simply the way the universe works. Later, she explains to the others that they must control their emotions and starve the Guardian of the hate and division he needs, just as he's starving them for food. Um, yeah, what did you make of like Tysan's philosophy here, her subtle methods of resistance, and is, is it ultimately enough? I am in Tysan's camp. I do, I do think she sees the Guardian for what he is. And um, I do think there's some truth in what she's saying. He does enjoy being able to flex his muscles this way. He does like when they give him something to where he can punish them. I mean, like I said, we just saw it with Trudy. He does enjoy it to some level being able to do this to people. And she's right. Taking that from him doesn't, it doesn't give him anything to use against you. You know, he will get bored with you if you don't give him a reason to mess with you. Um, because we'll even see it in future when the slaves don't give him any reason to be bought. He doesn't care what they're doing. They have almost complete freedom of the mall as long as they don't get his attention. And um, I, d- I do think that's the truth about sadists not giving them their fuel. And uh, I also think she's right in that their their form of protest, the, the shouting, it's not getting them anywhere. Like that isn't the best form of protest in the situation they're in. They need to get these eyes off of them, you know. And uh, so I am in her camp because Alice and Ellie's form of rebellion gets them absolutely nowhere through this entire imprisonment, you know. Um, so I'm just I'm in her ballpark on how to handle him and how to deal with this. A quiet resistance can often go much further than because just the screaming at the top of your lungs doesn't get them anywhere. Hmm. Sorry. Every time I see this, I'm thinking about Tyson and just. Her attitude just basically screams, don't feed the troll, pretty much. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's it's a smart plan. But I think in all of that, she does forget that she's more patient than most of them. True. Mm. Because where she is, she has her calm demeanor and, you know, she can meditate her way through it. The others aren't as calm and as at peace and as okay with waiting as she is. So yeah, it's something that could work for her, but for the others, not so much. I'm definitely one of those people who likes to pretend something doesn't bother me. It's like my own personal form of petty revenge. Like if you break up with me, I won't ever let you see me cry about it. You don't deserve my tears. You know, I'll let you think I'm totally fine with it. You know, um, yeah, privately, I'll ball, rip up stuffed animals, whatever I got to do <laughs> to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, scribble your face out of my my you know yearbook or whatever. But I'll never let you know that you hurt me because you don't deserve that. I'll never give you the pleasure of seeing that you were able to have that effect on me. Um, I didn't take too much of what Tyson said. I think around season three, I kind of just blocked out anything she has to say because I just don't agree with her on anything. <laughs> like what she said about um, he will pay if Chloe and Casey are harmed because that's the way the universe works. Because she's talking about karma, bad juju, you know, like the hate you give, you get. And uh, so I thought that was an interesting aspect to point out to him because, you know, she's not wrong there. And granted, karma doesn't always work as fast as we would like it to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just thought that was an interesting thing to point out to him. And 
in a way she's right because his form his what he's doing doesn't end well for him you know um it all crumbles around him and he's basically the reason it crumbles like he built he put all this work into building up the chosen and taking the city but he just it was never enough he just kept thirsting for more and doing trying to do more damage just trying to see what more he could get away with and it all of course fell apart and it's like he was the instrument of his own demise and again he's like she's so hot and she calls me out or maybe he just likes that a hot chick is talking to him i don't know <laughs> i think i mean I, I do ultimately like this about the tribe that it, it does show like multiple paths and ways of handling situations like tyson's trying to fight him like psychologically um mm-hmm. and really get the resistance are doing it like physically and it's just like and like obviously main Celine like <laughs> doing their own little way of like s- surviving um i'm just, I just like that there's always different paths that they're showing to have in any situation but yeah speaking of may and Celine, the two do decide to take part in the chosen ceremony and um, which Celine explains is no different than bray what they braided to play along with the guardian Realising that the two will be fed afterwards, Ellie can't help but react despite Tyson's early instructions, with only the arrival of food from Chloe and Casey to ease tensions. Um, yeah, what do you make of Celine's kind of reasonings about joining? Um, and what do you think of the ceremony itself? Appreciate that, even though I don't agree with Celine or May specifically, um, I do appreciate that their reasonings are not completely unfounded or out of left field. I think they make sense for them. And I do like, like you said, the different paths of resistance, the different paths of dealing with a problem this big. Not everybody's going to agree on the right way to do it. And Mm -hmm. um, I think they actually do a good job in this argument. Both sides are making valid points regardless of who you agree with their points aren't ridiculous that they're making and uh i can see why celine at least in the beginning believes that they could just do this they could just play along get the pressure off and then they could figure out their next plan she doesn't know what she's getting into but that that how how many of us ever really do know what we're getting into so i'm not going to villainize her for that um I do appreciate this argument. It feels like a real argument that a group of people would have. How do you go deal with this problem and um, with these differing personalities? It just, it wouldn't make sense if none of the mall rats were like, I'll, I'll join them or I'll pretend to join them, you know? So that's cool. I thought the meeting was nice and ominous. I like that it, it introduces the idea that, oh, these girls don't really know what they're getting into. You see the different reactions to the meeting from May and Celine. May is like, I've been here before. It's creepy, but I can do this. And you have mm-hmm. the look on Celine's face is like, I might have bit off more than I could chew. This is very unsettling, but okay, I'm going along with it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like the discord it causes, the sense of betrayal the others would have that they would agree to do this. And even the um, the point that, 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 like Ellie saying, "What our friends died for this and you're going to betray them this way. And then, you know, Celine saying, Yes, they died. Are we supposed to too? Is that what they'd want for us? Valid questions to ask mm-hmm. on both sides of this argument. So I think it was nicely handled. I think most of the stuff in the beginning at the mall and the divisions are very nicely handled. They lose steam later, but mm-hmm. they start strong. 
Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. I think this is like at its core, this is what cults kind of prey on. Like these uh, individuals who are very lost and very uncertain about um, uh, the things that are happening in their life. And I think Celine is just struggling to try to find something that she has control over. And um, mm-hmm. I think her joining the Chosen as she's trying to gain a little bit of that back to maybe, you know, help the baby or help herself or whatever. Yeah. I think it's mainly helping herself. No, I, I, I agree, Carlin, you know, um, if again, I probably, I don't know what I'd do in this particular situation, especially if I were 16 years old, I'm not really sure how I would handle it. I have to sit down and really think about that. But I agree with you that for Celine in this moment, the sense of having some control over what's going to happen next, having some stability, because we know Celine does not have a foundation of her own. She never has. And ensuring that tomorrow will make sense for her, ensuring that she can get food, whether or not she's thinking about herself or the baby. I do think that, yeah, it, I think you make a really good argument there. It just makes a lot of sense for why she would reason this is the best thing to do. Because at least here, I can ensure I'm going to be fed. You know, the resistance isn't getting us anywhere. But this way, I know where my next meal is coming from. It is guaranteed. And for Celine, that is very uh, in tune with her personality. Celine will take assurance wherever she can get it. Yeah, that's sure. It's, it, it does feel very fitting for her to do something like this. You know, to, yeah, to, to just, you know, if I do this and I don't even have to really believe in it, I will make sure I'm okay. One question, though. These kids have already been told twice that if they do not worship, they won't get food. But they've still been fed regardless of the fact that they haven't worshipped. Why hasn't any of them noticed that? I just think that's strange. I mean, when they're first having the discussion, they're eating. Yeah, the food sucks, but it's sustenance. Mm -hmm. And they're being fed despite the fact that they haven't bowed down and worshipped Zoo, that they haven't given given in. So it's obvious the Chosen aren't going to let them starve, even if the only reason they won't let them starve is because they need a workforce. I just think it's interesting they never notice that and have a discussion about that. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we at least know we won't actually go hungry. Yeah, we won't eat as bountiful as we did before. We won't, we won't get the pick. But we've done that before. You know, when the world first ended, we had to live like that, and we still made it. So I just think it's weird that none of them realize, hey, these guys told us that if we didn't do what they wanted, they wouldn't feed us. And yet we're still being fed. So there's a workaround here. You know, we at least have that off our plate. We won't starve. But, you know, they're young and they're spoiled and they spent an entire season getting everything they wanted. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's the that's the city for you. So I hate it. That's really odd now that you mention it. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why that was done that way. Yeah. And I think it's cute that Ellie was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This is great. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have taste buds. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> I did like that little moment of levity. <laughs> Alice's cooking is not good. I <laughs> also really liked how Casey gets Chloe into his plan because she's cute. He's like, you can get away with it. But the minute he mm-hmm. thinks that Chloe's going to be punished, he li- literally jumps in and tries to save her. Which again reminded me of them in the casino. And it yeah. just speaks to Casey's character. 
you know, he was like, hey, what are you doing? No, don't take her. What are you doing? Like, that's not what he intended. He never intended for Chloe to get hurt yeah. or to be put in danger and immediately jumped in. So it's like, at least the both of us will be put in danger. I'm not leaving you on your own, you know, and I'm just like, Casey mm-hmm. deserves more credit. I love that kid so much. <laughs> yeah, because he, he's an adorable little schemer like that. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's very sweet indeed. That no matter what, he will try to protect the younger kids, you know? Chloe's sister. (laughs) Yeah. Chloe, take the pig and run! (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And even, like, when he made sure that Chloe was in the safe position to get the food while he was attracting all the attention. Like, anything could have been done to Casey in that moment. But he was willing to take the fall if it meant that Chloe could get food to bring to the others, which is another Mm -hmm. really cool thing. Everybody's discussing their forms of resistance and how they're going to get food. And you have May and Celine who were only thinking of themselves. Like, we've been promised Mm -hmm. food. Screw you guys. We're right. The way May says that. Like, I was right. Mm -hmm. We've been promised food. Screw. I don't care if you guys eat. And then here comes Chloe and Casey. Casey's plan was to get everyone food, even if it endangered him. And I'm just like, this kid deserves more stars. You know, he really does. Because <laughs> he he was like, he could have been like, Chloe, nobody needs to know we got this. We can just hide it away between us. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just, I love how they put all those tiny little references with KC. Now with the gotta pick a pocket or two. <laughs> yep. I didn't I didn't bend the knee. I, I didn't betray anybody, but I got us food, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the moment he says that and they're handing it out to everyone, Celine instantly go going for Oh, uh yeah, but we're good. <laughs> May and I are gonna get you some food soon. We'll try to bring some back. I'm surprised Ellie that. didn't slap that bread <laughs> out of her hand. Like I you, have, oh. <laughs> you promised a hot meal. You don't need this. You didn't care if the rest of us ate. <laughs> Can you see how forced she was to say that? She was like, okay, yeah, I'll get you guys food as well. I'll, don't, yeah. think, don't think badly of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys were oh. bragging about the hot meal you were going to get. Screw your friends. And now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. we'll try to bring some back. <laughs> no, you're not. Get out of here, you phony. Oh, yeah. You're just going to tell them, no, sorry. Sorry, we could not leave the table. They checked us before we went back. Someone should have got You only say that because Casey brought us food. Like, like, mm-hmm. But I, I also like the fact that it just speaks to how not eating as much as they're used to, not getting their caloric intake is affecting them emotionally and does make them more touchy with each other. Like mm-hmm. being everybody eating together, breaking bread together, immediately calmed the tensions, as you say. You know, and a lot of hard feelings were just left by the wayside very quickly. Because I know how I get when I'm hangry. I'll drive this off a cliff. And then I have to, Mm -hmm. it took me years to realize, oh, I'm just hungry. (laughs) 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 I don't want to kill the kids. I just need to eat. (laughs) My boyfriend literally keeps Snickers in the car just for me. (laughs) (laughs) Babe, (laughs) you want a Snickers? I do think it's funny how no one is watching or cares to watch the Morettes. They're just like, oh, I know. they're just passing around food in broad daylight in the middle of the. Uh, it's just a bit funny. Yeah, but the Morettes are just there for their comic relief. 
Okay, sorry, Liz. We're gonna get all the bad bits out now. Don't blame you. <laughs> you know the dream that Dal talked about. I have it too, even now. You mean since you've been with Danny? Nothing makes sense anymore. Face it, Bray. Amber's gone. And you know what's gonna happen if you keep thinking like Dal? You're gonna lose her all over again. Be prepared for that. The debate in the worth of Pride's words versus the potential help that his tribe could bring, Dal admits to the others that he has dreamt of Amber being alive ever since the incident up on Eagle Mountain. Bray eventually admits to Ebony that he has also had the same dream, even whilst being with Danny. Um, panel, let's just focus on the dreams. Yeah, the show hasn't explored the power of dreams and premonitions ever since Tysan and Eagle Mountain. Um, yeah, what do you think about the use of dreams here as a motivating factor for the guys here? Oh, mighty dude. It's pointless. Like you said, they've not explored it since Eagle Mountain in Tysan's dream. They've never bothered with it. So it doesn't land here. And at least for Tysan's you know, spiritual flowy character, it made sense. But Especially Dal, she'd been like Bray? meditating, you know. And... Hmm. No, and I can get Dal saying, look, I, I dreamt she was alive. You know, but more in a way of I wished she was. Yeah, that's... I don't think they need the dream. I think just... <laughs> mm -hmm. I think the word usage just has no meaning. I think it would have just... Just say, I've just never wanted to believe she was gone. You know why yeah. the word's in there, though. I know, I know. <laughs> it's to keep the dream alive. It just doesn't land because they haven't earned it, you know? And yeah. just have them say, I've just never wanted to believe it, you know? And like I said, that's when he admits, because I never, I couldn't, I, we didn't find her. I never wanted to believe she was gone. Yeah. I know she couldn't have survived, but I just couldn't believe it. And and it all comes out that they didn't find her. Yeah. Um, and then Bray, really Bray, really <laughs> like, and I don't even blame Bray. This is the writers just trying to erase Danny from existence. Okay. That's all that is. It's not even Bray's fault. The writers made him say that, you know, and so that that's just the writers doing Danny dirty, you know, <laughs> like he wasn't in a relationship the whole time. And she wasn't the light of his life and gave him a reason for living and all that jazz. And now you're going to be like, oh, every no, no, no. night. <laughs> I dreamt every night. night. <laughs> and that would, that would make sense. While he was with Danny, he, he was just dreaming of another woman and pretending was. she was Amber. That is horrible. That is so <laughs> horrible. You've just relegated her to a booty call, a convenient warm body. That's all she was. Very related. So, she uh, was. Horrible. So I can't I mean, even blame Bray for that. I can't. It's just the writers being complete douches. <laughs> that, that is an awful thing to say. Yeah, I don't know why they put that in. You know, I, I, could, I can understand Bray being like, I was always, I never wanted to accept it because mm. I wasn't awake. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't awake. I couldn't save her. I just woke up and my life was changed. You know, there couldn't be dialogue there, you know, but the, the simplistic way they are just sugarcoating this and taking all of the interesting um conflict out and this could be so deep but they didn't want it to be deep they wanted it to just be as simple as brain amber need to see each other and they will eventually get back together and nothing else will freaking matter and I, I would have liked to hear bray talk about the conflict of not being able to let go of amber but trying to move forward with danny just validate the fact that he fell in love again but maybe always felt a hint of guilt 
but then told himself I wasn't supposed to feel guilty because Amber was gone. She would have wanted me to find happiness. And yet all of this is stirring it up for me again or something, you know, but they didn't want deep character here. I still feel Amber would not have wanted him to move on from her dead within 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> she might have been a nice person, but not that far. Could you give it a week, please? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, I still I still thought she was dead, even with, with seeing all this happening in real time. I was like, there's no way they're going to bring her back. Like, That'd just be too stupid. <laughs> Why would they do all this? But it was so obvious from the end credits. Oh, I, oh yeah, but I never watched the end credits. So I was just like, yeah, there's no way this is happening. I still, even if they are going to, I'm like, this is going to suck. Because they're probably just going to get some other actress. And mm-hmm. I'm going to hate them. Like I, how I hated Danny when I first watched season two. This is not good. Season three is already starting to, to tank. Sorry, Carlin. That sucks. Like, you were at least like, nah, they would never do something that stupid. So there's got to be something else coming down the pipe. And then yeah. the writers just kicked you in the face and said, oh, yeah, we will totally do something that stupid. Well, <laughs> even then, even then, when that episode happened, I still didn't think that was Amber. When they showed her face, I literally paused the screen for 10 minutes and pulled up another picture of Beth Allen. And I was trying to compare their noses. I was like, is this the same actress? <laughs> No, you're not, you're not the only one. I've I've seen a lot of comments where some people thought it would be her, like her, her sister or her twin sister or something. Yeah. They never thought they'd bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the dumbest way possible. <laughs> now, I don't think, again, the plot itself isn't bad. It's just their execution of this plot. This dialogue is bad, you know, and you can still have... Dal and Bray expressing that they just never want to believe Amber was dead. You just got to give them like real reasons for why. And that can explore and validate what we all had to watch. We were all in shock Mm -hmm. when they killed those characters off. So let's pay tribute to what that felt like for everyone by having the characters express what that horrible trauma was like. And this is why they can't let go, you know, and this is, it's also just, relatable because everybody at some point in their life loses somebody and has to struggle Mm -hmm. with accepting that they're gone but not wanting to believe they won't pick up the phone or walk in the door again you know and this was a chance to actually do that but instead they just gave them really cheap dialogue and again cheapen the whole thing realizing that Dao has left to go to eagle mountain intent on earth in the grave Bray and the others follow him there to discover that Amber's grave is indeed empty. No one is able to remember exactly what happened in the chaos of the explosion, but Lex forbids anyone from ever touching Sandra's grave as he buried her himself. And yeah, let's focus on Lex in this. Um, how do you, how, yeah, what do you make of his reaction? Probably the only... It felt genuine. Yeah, it's the only good moment in all of this yeah. mess. I mean, it shows emotion. It shows how much Lex actually cared for Zandra and his unborn child. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, there's no way on earth I'm letting you touch her grave. Yeah. That's sacred, people. I put her there. I know what I know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, gr- fine. The other grave's empty. I don't care. I didn't work on that one. I worked on this one. I know what's in there, and I do not wish to have her dug up. Yeah. Yeah, Caleb nailed that. It, it, there's mm-hmm. such a picture being painted with the emotion and what he is saying. 
you know, the tableau you can see in your mind of Lex having to find her, having to come to the realization she's not alive. He is the future he was going to build with her. That mm -hmm. second chance at life has been snuffed out and then having to lay her and their unborn child to rest. Like he nails it all in just the way he delivers yeah. that line to Bray. Not, you know, not while I'm alive will anybody touch a stone here, you know, and um, it's the only good point part of this entire mm -hmm. encounter. Um, and it is consistent for how Lex has been acting when it comes to Zandra's memory, grieving her. You know, he's he's the only one who went through a proper grief cycle. Yeah. I did only have one question. And I, of course, I don't. I would never expect Bray to ask him this. But there's a little sarcastic part of me that goes, okay, fine. I won't touch it. But could you just tell me when this grave next to her was dug? Was it before or after? I just need to know mm. how you could know nothing about the grave next to Sandra. Was it already here? Or did someone show up after you were done? I'm just curious. Can you just fill me in on that? I, I actually, I imagine Amber's was already done because I can see Lex sitting there for a while with Sandra's body in his arms, you know, just not knowing what to do next, how to process it. Because I, I don't think Lex's first thought upon finding Sandra dead would be, okay, we have to go make a grave. Let's make a grave. Let's find us some stones. Yeah. I don't think he would be in the heads in a headspace to instantly think of that. I agree with you. That's why I was saying that it was just me, the sarcastic yeah. part of my brain. So yeah, I'm pretty sure Amber's grave was already there before Lex put her to rest. Everything else in the scene, though, um, I, I don't like anything else in the scene. I really don't. I mean, Bray's confusion is probably the only thing that works for me because he has every right to be completely, conf completely flabbergasted as to what's going on. And again, this would really work if this was when he, you know, he just found out that Amber body hadn't been found and he was the one who needed to confirm for himself you know because he sat over that grave for a while just dealing with the fact that amber's in there because that's what his friends told him and he left that ring you know he was making decisions at that grave and so i can totally see bray being the one to you know after it's pointed out to him that eagle mountain's not that far needing to see for himself and mm -hmm. needing to stomach what he would feel as a sense of betrayal that this was kept from him and then finding him standing over her grave and wanting answers, you know, like, yeah. and uh, some of the dumbest dialogue, though, other than that, is just said here. And I'm just like, Ebony's whole, all I remember is a lot of smoke. I'm just like, I, I don't care about that. Somebody tell me who said she was dead. <laughs> who said she was in the ground? You're telling me that none of you recall this conversation. None of you? I, I, I severely do not think it was handled well because Ebony has, you know, a habit of quick thinking, so she could have blamed Trudy for this. I mean, you blame someone who's not there if you don't want to blame for it. It would have been so easy for her to just blame it on the girl who just tried to burn Bray alive. So where's her quick thinking in that? All the music stings. Am I the only one who found them annoying? <laughs> yes, but I mean, even more than that, I, I, I hated the whole... Dow digging up the grave thing, it wasn't played well at all. And no, it was awful. <laughs> it could have been this emotional, fantastic moment. Mm -hmm. Like Dow's literally trying to dig up his old friend and she's not there. It could have been an amazing scene. Mm -hmm. Like even with all the other nonsense going on. But it, it, no, it was handled so badly. And that, that really, really annoyed me. It almost like the writers are just treating it like a joke. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Like, ha, fooled you. <laughs> it's like, again, <laughs> this was yeah. traumatizing for the viewers as well. You know, see, season two, that premiere is, it messes your head up. Because mm -hmm. you just suddenly told two of your beloved characters just died, likely horribly, you know, and their friends had to put them in the ground. You know, they've been spending hours coming to grips with the fact that they're gone forever. And you, the audience, are like, what? And here the writers are like, ha, it wasn't that funny, you know? And yeah. just, just no reverence or respect. No. Just that moment with Lex over Zondra's grave is the only reverence it's paid. And everything else is just, I can't believe these people get money for this. That's what I'm just like, <laughs> there's so many amateur writers out there. And you guys got paid to write this. And you thought you were doing something special. They really did. And just, ugh. I wish they would have just taken a lot more time than just this scene to work this out. You know, to, to actually have it, as you said, have Del see that it's empty and not just respond to, oh, it's empty. Why doesn't he have more of a, again, is like, uh, as you guys said, even if you just, you still have all the other nonsense. Why doesn't Dal have a more emotional response to the confirmation that his friend isn't actually in the ground? That mm -hmm. these dreams he's been having are likely true, that she is actually alive somewhere. And why isn't there no more emotion from Dal? Like, who told me she was dead? You know, like, there's just nothing, just a, a bright-eyed, ha, huh, it's empty. <laughs> Yay, isn't that <laughs> awesome? And it's just like, that is not how I would respond if my I thought my mother died, and then six months later I find out she's been vacationing in Cabo. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I would <laughs> be feeling a lot, right? I would be so pissed if I was the hell. The thing that this scene told me or showed me that the Chosen are going to be on trial and then whoever the, the writers are for this episode are going to be on trial too because this is awful. I think I was still grieving for Zandra and Amber's death, you know, still even way after the second season and seeing them just dig up the grave and this whole... Oh, it felt wrong. Yeah, it was just like awful like i felt like lex like no one's touching zandra's grave like no one let her rest in peace for god's sakes um yeah yeah this has to be up there it's like top 10 worst moments ever in tribe history are you eagle i'm bray and we've come from the city we've come to ask for your help why have you brought them here but yeah, that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. So with Pride agreeing to speak to them for, for them to Eagle, the Morats, including Ebony for some reason, follows him to their camp, where it is revealed that Eagle is indeed Amber. However, she's not very happy to see them. And of course, panel, this was ruined by the end credits, as we know earlier. But what did you think of our first look at the Pride's tribe and the Amber reveal itself? First look at his tribe was a lovely a setting in nature, out out of the city. Yeah, I could imagine people like Pride being happy there and wanting to stay there. As for you know, I still have issues with the fact that Ebony decided to go along with them mm -hmm. because she had to have known what was coming. All the signs was there. It makes right no there. sense. <laughs> and why didn't she just run for the hills instantly, or at least sneak away quietly when Bray wasn't paying attention? You know. Because she knew her lights were going to come out. But as for seeing Amber, I was like, oh, no, they didn't. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's where opinions on Amber vary a lot. 
<sighs> like, really? Really? You had to bring her back? I mean, I know Danny's gone, but seriously? Her standing there all extravagant. I was like, oh my god, yes, she's back. <laughs> this is another one, too. This is one of the worst <laughs> moments in the tribe as well. Amber coming back. Oh, no. It, it's. I mean, the moment itself is brilliant. Like, her standing mm. on top. That That's short. <laughs> Yeah, regardless, yeah. regardless of the out of obviously with the external circumstances, that shot itself, that moment was. Yep. Mm. <laughs> it, it was very pretty to see. <laughs> she looks epic. It's just everything else. <laughs> it annoys me. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame that such a character who people engenders such strong emotions in the fan base, whether they're positive or negative, you can't deny what a strong character Amber was. Mm-hmm. And that people had a response to her and you killed her off. You're bringing her back. I just don't know why you wouldn't bring her back in a better way to honor that character. And uh, because that moment of seeing her for the first time, hearing her voice for the first time. And it, it's Amber's voice. That's, it's iconic, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. hearing her voice. I shouldn't be still filled with rage when I see one of my favorite characters standing there. Because everyone knows I love Amber. I'm glad she's not yeah. dead, but I shouldn't be like, yeah, but your resurrection sucks so bad. I can't enjoy this. You know, um, mm-hmm. I like the introduction to the Ecos for the most part. There are things I don't like about it. Um, some of the costume design kind of bugs me. I don't like that Pride and Amber don't look like they belong within these people. Everybody else is wearing potato sacks and they look like they got all their clothes <laughs> from the city. That stands out to me. I'm sorry. It's mm-hmm. very weird to me. They actually don't look like they belong there. Um, like you're wearing spandex for Pete's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is wearing linen, you know, natural fibers and you're wearing plastic. I don't understand how you two fit in here. You know, when you see pride next to the rest of his tribe, you don't know how pride camouflages into anything, you know, compared mm-hmm. to them. So I do think some of the costume design to make them look special actually makes them look like they're not a part of the Gaians. But I do like the setup there. I think that's cool. I don't like Bray addressing a perfect stranger and just being like, are you Eagle? Pride just told you he's going to introduce you to his leader. Why? I get mm-hmm. it. The whole point is to try and lead us astray or something, but it's dumb. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is just a dumb setup. And even though I love hearing Amber's voice and I love seeing her face, Beth, you're beautiful. You're my girl. I hate how you were brought back so mm-hmm. much that I can't even enjoy seeing you back. I'm I'm just like, and I will, it sucks that because of the way she's brought back and the way she's written after this, that I will start thinking, man, maybe I was a little too hard on Danny. Like that is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this moment was the moment I lost all hope of Danny returning because I had still been holding out hope that she was being tortured somewhere by the guardian. But, the moment they got Amber back, I was like, yeah, darn it. We're not getting her <laughs> back, so we're not going to get that moment. Just darn it. <laughs> I was it's just, just... So happy. <laughs> <laughs> I had to suffer 52 plus episodes with Amber gone. <laughs> I, I know the reasons are horrible and really rubbish, but she's back. <laughs> I was like, yes. She looks good. I'll give you that. Bye, Daddy. Good. Um, as beautiful as ever, authoritative as ever. I actually like the expression on her face. Um, <laughs> it doesn't give much away, and that's nice. That's a nice cliffhanger to be left on. And for her reception to be, why did you bring them there? Bring them here? I mean, she recognized them immediately. That's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I, I agree. I don't know what Ebony's still doing. Ebony, you knew where this was going. Yeah. So why did you stick around? At this point, you have to know, Bray's going to find out what you did. You're not going to talk mm-hmm. your way out of this. So why are you still here? What What are you doing, Ebony? Um, Ebony's <laughs> behavior becomes really stupidly out of character for the next couple episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I get it. She has to be here because she has to be part of the rebellion. But it's just... I love you, Beth. I'm glad you're here. Um, I hate how you're here. <laughs> oh, much. Um, yeah, I'm not happy she's here, actually. I've always believed throughout the tribe universe that less is more. The fact that we got so little of Amber and she had so much potential to be something amazing, something great, and we totally never got to see that made her character so much better than she is. You know, it's kind of like one of those musicians that pass away so young and they're held at such high regard because of what their legacy could have been but now just seeing amber at first you know i thought this was like a a, just a lookalike actress i was like how disrespectful (laughs) they couldn't even get the actual actress on there but yeah i i don't know she she should have just been left dead for me yeah sorry i have to agree with that story wise yes i'm glad that she's back, not the way how, but I just don't like people returning from the dead. It's just not a fan of the Amber Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah. So in your view, no matter what, no matter how they brought about you, it would have mattered. You just don't want back because she's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I was one of the few people who did not mind that Amber died. So, because I'm horrible. Problem with her actual resurrection you know the fact that she turned out not to be dead i'm cool with that um i will regret her coming back because i don't feel like they brought the character of amber back i feel like they brought Mm -hmm. the legend of amber back she will be less of an actual person and more just all the great things people remembered about her she will you know you'll start to see in the future that amber can't ever be in the wrong she's not allowed to be flawed she just has to be what everyone remembered her to be in season one. And, you, and I that's, think that's a strange true. thing. Yeah. If you're going to bring her back, then bring her back. But not, I don't feel like they ever do bring Amber back. You know, and I think that might just in the long run be what bothers me so much. Is that they bring her back and suddenly Amber has this great reputation throughout the city. For all the amazing things she's done for the city. And when I think about it, it's mostly actually been Danny who tried to do those things in the city. She gets to take credit for everything she wasn't around to do. Yeah. And I'm not, that's not her fault, you know, but no. it's just like, you, you didn't do those things. Hate to break mm-hmm. it to you, you know, that's yeah. not who you were. Um, you're, yeah, you're important to the mall rats, the people who knew you and who were your family. But the rest of the city didn't know who the frick you were. You were a loudmouth chick at a, a tribal meeting once who tried to tell yeah. us we couldn't do what we wanted to do. And that's all we remember of you at all. Yeah. Um, she just becomes a caricature of a strong female leader, not a person. She can do no wrong. She's the answer to everything. And that's not just like, oh, a matter of perspective. Like Bray seeing Danny is the answer to everything. That's a perspective issue. That's how he saw her. But that's not what she was or how other people saw her. But that's what Amber becomes. She is literally the answer to everything. And nobody can accomplish anything unless Amber is a part of it. You know, and it's like, that's not a person. Mm -hmm. You know, that's an idea. 
And so it's like, if you were going to bring her back, you needed to bring her, the flawed human being that you loved or hated. You have to bring her back. Yeah. Not this legend of a person. I don't completely agree with that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get into details later. She was allowed some growth, just not, you know, the magical um, getting credit for everything she did not do. No, that part, yeah, I agree with that. Because obviously they just... She, Danny's bits were meant for it. I always, I've always said this. Danny's bits were meant for Amber, and they just forgot that <laughs> there was a character called Danny. I will but, never forget Danny, <laughs> a true hero. I say, yeah, I can see how attributing all of Danny's feats to Amber gets people really annoyed. Yeah, because you know, as annoying as Danny was, I did like parts of her character. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked the potential she had as a character. Had she not been made brace replacement love interest and i would have just really wanted to see danny and amber meet each other that's just if we have to have amber back i wish we could have had that because i would have wanted to see brace face in that uh that brings series three episode five to a close thank you very much to the panel and if i take part in a future episode podcast please do send us a message on our facebook page or on our website thetribe.co.uk so we'll see you next time for episode six. Until then, bye. 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 Bye.